It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Hey, we're excited this morning, welcoming a friend of ours back to the show. It's the lead pastor of Engedi Church, Brian Olick. Yeah, welcome back. A multi-campus church here in Holland. Welcome back, Brian. Great to be here. Great to be here. I love your Christmas decorations. This is awesome. Thank you. We should explain a little bit. We do have a tree, a lit tree, and it's beautifully decorated. And then this is my artistic work on the booms. So there's there's booms in the center of the studio that, that hold the mics, and they head out in each direction to each person. It's like a spider. It's kind of like a spider, yeah. yeah. And I, I wrap lights around the booms. You guys haven't posted pictures pictures of the shed, huh? No, we should We do need that. to do that. Come on. That's this morning. And the jingle bells. What's the story there? Do you just yeah, randomly yeah. ring them? Sometimes yeah, I just get in the mood to just... Wow. This, this is me right now. This is not a recording. This is... I haven't even practiced. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, those lessons are really pulling up, uh, playing, playing out here. Thank you. Wow. See, no, that's not me. Those are the, those are the <laughs> sound effects ones. <laughs> <laughs> See, but Perry just had buttons. I'm actually playing the actual instrument, yeah. bells, bobtails. Yeah, yeah, you can clearly tell that Perry has not practiced nearly as long as <laughs> <Right>. you have. <laughs> I have to admit, her sound effects have more integrity than mine. Yeah, I'm it, afraid it, so. Yeah, that is. There's an authenticity to realism. it. Realism. Right. Realism. And that's, you know. that's big today. People want real. They want authentic. Yeah, yeah. 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 Speaking <laughs> of real, stuff. Brian is real. Brian is real, Brian. I I am here. Is here, and we're so glad to <laughs> it's have not you your here. AI, you're not a doppelganger. No, nope. someday though, I'll send that in. I don't know what do you say. You're your doppelganger. Send your. What do they call those things? Those on computers, they have like a avatar. There we oh, go. Oh, there you go. I'll yeah, just yeah. send my avatar in there. Yeah. We go. There you yeah. go. Hey, little confession. Yeah. So my husband's a pastor. Love my home church, but when I'm getting ready to go to my home church. I sometimes pull up and Getty and oh, listen to your messages. That is so kind of you to say. Yeah, not all the time, but sometimes. But yeah. Perry came back to the studio and he was like, oh my goodness, you should have heard Brian's message. You should hear what he's preaching on right now. And so we're like, well, let's get him in the studio and let's talk about it. Yeah. So you're doing a series right now. Tell us what you're doing. Yeah, well, we took these three weeks leading into Christmas and uh, are kind of taking us into Christmas by studying the life of Esther. And she has just such a cool story. But it's also, it's a weird book of the Bible because nowhere in the book of Esther is God explicitly mentioned. And so Mm -hmm. I keep saying uh, week after week here that God is everywhere behind the scenes and between the lines, Mm -hmm. because even though it doesn't say God did this or God did that, uh, you see traces of God's work in Esther's life. But it's, you know, if you know a little bit of the story of the background uh, of a little bit of the background of Esther, so she was a double orphan and so, so grew up without mom or without dad. And her family was exiled from Jerusalem into the Babylonian Empire, which ultimately then would become the Persian Empire when Persia took over. And so I think it feels like up to that point in Esther's life, she's been in the dark. And so that's what we're trying to explore during the series is just where is God when it feels like you're in the dark? I love this. And I got to tell you, when Perry said you were talking about Esther in December, I was like, the Christmas series is Esther? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. What what made your heart lean that direction? You know, I think that 
uh, I was reading Esther and I thought this is a perfect and you're kind of the 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 big you know climax of the series comes actually this coming Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, I'm jealous because another pastor on our staff is teaching oh. it which I had to give it away to him but <laughs> but here is Esther this very unlikely savior is what she becomes and and she's mm-hmm. she's vulnerable she's the last person you would have expected to be the one who saves the Jewish people and I thought, what a beautiful way to pave the way to the birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. who is just as unlikely of a savior. And uh, so that, that's, that's what led to it. Is, uh, and I, I know during the Christmas time, obviously, on the one hand, we're ringing jingle bells. On the other hand, uh, this is a tough time for many people, mm-hmm. and it brings back sometimes difficult losses of the past, uh, difficult memories, things that they wish were different than they, they are. And so I thought, even though it seems a bit uh, you know, like it's not the holiday cheer vibes, I thought, let's just be real that difficult things are going on and let's look for God in the midst of the darkness. Yeah, and this ties into Hanukkah. You know, Hanukkah is the celebration of the Jews' deliverance yeah. uh, by Esther through Mordecai. And so this this is the same time of year of Hanukkah. So it does fit this time of year. You know, I'm embarrassed to say I did not think about that. <laughs> so thank, thank you, Perry. <laughs> I am just going to send my avatar next time. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're going to get into this story, yeah. but yeah. somebody's living in the dark right now. They're in it. Man, mm-hmm. they are just, it's so pitch black. They can't even see the hand in front of their face, you know, three inches in front of their face. What can you say to them? Yeah, I mean, there's a few ways to me that you see the hand of God in Esther's life, even when it feels like the dominant theme is darkness. And one of them is a person that God raises up in her life. And specifically, his name is Mordecai. And if uh, if if you're familiar with the story, she's uh, she's raised by her cousin Mordecai. So he had a significant number of years on her. But from what we can tell in the story, he was an upright Jewish man who saw his his uh, cousin as a double orphan and said, I can help her and really raised her as a father. And, and I think that's one of those ways that you go, look, at. Uh, it may feel like Esther has been abandoned, and I'm sure she felt that way. No parents, family has been ripped from our homeland, foreign culture, foreign language, foreign everything. And it really made me think and reflect for my own life about the people God has raised up in the dark times to help support me. I thought about uh, being at a run in seminary and seminary for some guys I might've been like, just, they killed it. And it was great. It was hard for me. I mean, Greek and Hebrew and I had no formal Christian education. So literally virtually every term I was, I was uh, learning was new. And at one point I just thought, I want to give up. I feel like I'm in the dark. I don't feel like I can get through this. I don't think I can do this. And really was just thinking about quitting all the time. Mm-hmm. In the midst of that, I had a, my first preaching class and a professor, uh, the professor of that class came up to me afterwards. And I remember he said, Brian, I preached my first message. I'm sure it was terrible, but he came up to me afterwards and he said, Brian, I think you have a gift here that you should pay attention to. Mm. And that little word was, I, I felt like he was my Mordecai in that moment. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was just in this place of, I'm ready to give up. I'm a failure. Everybody else seems to be able to get this. And I, I'm struggling so much. And that little word of hope was all I needed to keep going was God showing up in the dark. When you look at Esther's story, and yes, the the story talks about that she's a very attractive person, but as you read the story, she's she's smart, she's humble, she's wise, she's Mm -hmm. courageous. And it's interesting because she continues to choose to exercise all of those gifts and character traits 
uh, even though she feels like she's in the dark. Mm-hmm. And that, that really struck me looking at her story because I thought I, my, my human instinct is many times when things are difficult and you feel like you're overwhelmed, many of us want to do just the opposite. Instead of engaging and using our gifts, we want to pull back. Mm-hmm. And we, I, you know, I feel like, oh, Christina, let's just turn on the TV. Let's get some ice cream. <laughs> you know, let's just check out. Let's scroll through social media. And, uh, and Esther presses in and, and God has equipped her with all kinds of different gifts and character traits. And he uses exactly those things to help her get out of the darkness. I remember a time I was talking to a pastor friend of mine who was, who was uh, in a really dark season and he had a, he had a bunch of people kind of coming up against him. And, and he said, Brian, I just chose in that season, I was going to absolutely preach my very best messages during that time. I was going to give God everything I had. And it was like he, he served his way into mm. the light. That's mm. so good. I mean, when God has given us gifts to use, and I have a really, really good friend who has said to me before, and this has just stuck with me, and I, it, <laughs> it's challenged me in many moments, when I feel unsafe, when I feel like things are most risky, it's dark. Mm-hmm. I don't know how things are going to go down, is when I am most likely to retreat. And he says, this, that is the moment when it is most important, most imperative for you to press in. Yeah, that's so good. And that's where... For me, it's it's both press in, but then kind of activate. I, I remember once I was going through just a tough season, and I, I also think the drift is, of course, woe is me and perhaps self-pity and despair and all these things. And I made this long list of all the people I knew who were in desperately hurting or needy places. And I woke up every morning and I would just go through and pray for all these folks. I'm going to start my day. Instead of sitting there with my despair, I'm going to mm-hmm. take... The, the the ability God has given me to pray and to intercede for others, and I'm going to and it just, man it was so radical how it changed my whole perspective to say I'm not just going to get hung up mm-hmm. on my darkness and I'm going to remember other people in the dark I'm going to summon those muscles of empathy and mm-hmm. and compassion and it really I, I felt like it was part of how God used broke used uh, used those moments to break some light into my darkness yeah and it's easy to it is easy to feel sorry for ourselves. And Brian, I don't feel like serving. I'm, I'm just, I'm in this dark place. I don't feel like doing it. How do you get beyond that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's tough. It really is. Our feelings are so, so strong. And one of the things that we talk about regularly at Engedi is just making sure that you don't let your feelings take over your life. It is ultimately a choice of the will to say, I will yeah. not be held captive by my feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't say there's, I don't, I have not devised an easy way to not let feelings of fear, anger, despair rule. I just know I need to choose to overwhelm them in the moment. I don't know about you, but that's what I've found is one of the keys to living a robust life of faith is getting my feelings to submit to the truth. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lifelong thing. And that's, that's going to be, that's going to be today as well, but to live a, a really a live life in Jesus, this is something we've got to learn. And it takes a long time to learn it. That's right. I've found. That's right. Yeah. And I think that 
you get better with time. I think you feel feelings and you say, even though I feel, remember the title of a book that I, I've really latched onto, and I think it applies to a lot of feelings. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Mm. And just even the title is so good. Yeah. Feel the fear, do yeah. it anyway. Yeah. And I thought, feel the sadness, do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Feel the grief, do it anyway. And that's not to minimize those feelings. Right. Obviously, that they're important. We yeah. need to process them. We don't mm-hmm. want to sit there and pretend like emotions don't exist where we need to grieve, we need to grieve. Yes, all of that. Yep. But- I don't want to be held captive by Mm -hmm. my feelings. That's so powerful. I feel like our feelings are more influential when we try to pretend that they aren't there. Hmm. There's a power to naming it. Like let's uh, let's pay attention because they're informative. So let's 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 not pretend that they're not there because they're actually having more power in your life mm-hmm. <laughs> when you do that than when you identify them for what they are. But that's just so powerful. The way that you phrased it, I feel like I want you to say that again. I don't know if you can repeat it exactly the way that you did, but I will not be held captive. Right. By my feelings. Is that how you phrased it? Yep. That's, that's, and that's kind of my resolve is in any of these cases, I will not be held captive, which means identify the feeling, feel it, process it, understand where it's coming from. But then, and this is back to your point uh, that you were mentioning, Perry, knowing what God is, God's word has said, mm-hmm. saying, I will move forward according to God's word, mm-hmm. not according to my feelings in that yeah. moment. also had the favor of the Lord on her. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. What, it, what does that mean to, to have the favor of the Lord? Well, I think a big thing in Esther's story is we've got this book where Esther's going through uh, dark times and, and you see God at work in her life. And, and three times within the, the text, it talks about while she's in this competition of sorts, it talks about the fa- favor being upon her. And, and what's interesting about that is when you study favor in the Bible, while on the one hand, favor ex- is expressed through people, it's, a, it's ultimately a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And I think about a verse in uh, the book of Daniel, chapter one, where it says, now God had caused the prison official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea that Esther has these, again, little bursts of light. She's still in a difficult context, to, to be sure. But these little bursts of light where God's favor is showing up, she has, when she first enters in this competition, uh, the the guy who's sort of over it uh, just takes a particular interest in Esther's life. And then as she continues to progress through the journey, other people continue to give her favor. Now, we can read that as just favor, but ultimately that's a gift from God. That's mm-hmm. God choosing to, to, to bless her in very specific and unique ways. And, and I think the same thing happens in our lives. We have these dark times and... You have, I'm sure you guys would have stories about that where you think all, all is lost, it feels dark, it feels desperate. Yep. And then in the middle of that time, if somebody loses a job and then you have a friend who says, oh, my company's hiring. You, do you know anybody who's looking? That's favor right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And even like seeking, you know, going to rehab, you know, if you're, if you're an addict, if you're struggling, if, if you're, you know, your life has just crashed and burned, if you tap into or if you lean into uh, rehab, that's God's favor. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I feel, I feel like stepping into the, this position when it was one of those moments for me. I was in one of the darkest seasons of my life mm-hmm. and not seeing a way forward, you know, sitting in the midst of this and, and, and God opened up the door for me. And even when the conversation came, a friend of a, you know, the station manager had a friend who was a mutual friend of mine who had been working with the staff that I was on staff at church at that time. And he said, I think you know, you should connect with Shauna. Anyway, Jack reaches out to me and I'm thinking, 
this is crazy. I don't have any of the qualifications mm-hmm. for this job. This is ridiculous that you would even consider me. I, in fact, spent 20 minutes trying to talk him out of it. You know, I just said, maybe I know who she is. Maybe I'm the connection, yeah. but I'm not your girl. <laughs> but yeah. God, God had something in mind. That's, that's such a great example. I was having a, a conversation with Matt Scogan, who's the president of Hope College, for my soon-to-be-released podcast in January. And he, he had a breakthrough where uh, Malcolm Gladwell, the famous author and, and podcast host, uh, asked if, if Matt could come on to his podcast. And Matt's, you know, Matt was saying, I would love to say we had this master strategic plan that led to this whole, whole thing. But the truth be, truth be told... It was just favor. And that's what happens. Even in those dark times, those little bits of encouragement could just be an encouraging word or a card or a gift. That's God saying, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I still see you. And what's so interesting about God's favor is as a Christian, we never earn God's favor. We actually receive it by grace. And there can be this sense, and we'll look at this, where Esther does do some things that help we might say position for position her for even more favor, but we know as as Christians the reason why we receive favor is not because we are so good or because of what we have earned or how we have performed, but rather how Jesus performed on our behalf. Yeah, and so Jesus lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross, a perfect death, the one we deserve to die. And not only does he take all of the punishment for our sin, but we get the rewards for his perfect life. We get the favor that he deserves. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so even today when we experience favor, it's not because I'm living just the perfect life, doing all the right spiritual things and so perfectly faithful to scripture. I first experienced favor because what Jesus did and I get to receive hit the favor that he was deserved and he was due gets to be expressed by God into my life. And so that's really the, it's important to remember that. I think of the, you know, in Esther, she ends up winning the crown. And I think of James chapter uh, one, verse 12, where uh, it says about us, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, or we might say blessed is the one who perseveres in the dark, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's beautiful. That is favor, and it is by Jesus alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and just now it occurs to me that, you know, Esther was raised up at the risk of her own life to save all the Jewish people. And Esther points to Jesus. That's right. A true and better Esther is Jesus who risks, not only risks his life, but gives his life. You know, it's just so cool to see how the... The Bible is one story. That's right. You know, I mean, there's so much in there in the story of Esther, the way that she looked on the people and had compassion for all the people, the way that she, you know, risked her life to save the people. Jesus gave his life to save the people. But it all points back to, I mean, this really is the Christmas story, the favor that we have because of this scandalous trade mm. of his perfect life for yeah. our so very ongoing imperfect life. I think we want to believe too, even when we understand God's grace, we want to believe it for my past. Right. It's just hard to believe it for right now. Mm -hmm. Like I already know better. I already know Jesus and I still screw up and I still don't deserve it. And he still gives it. That's right. It's such a gift and that's such an encouragement because it means just like we did nothing to deserve it, we can do nothing to lose it. And that gives me great hope. And there's somebody listening and they don't know the difference between religion and the gospel. And there is a big difference between religion and the gospel. And this is this is a moment for them to realize what grace is. What can you say to that person? 
Yeah, I would just say to that person that there's a there's a religious sort of temptation in all of us that says we are going to perform our way into God's acceptance. And we don't perform our way uh, into God's acceptance. We, we receive from Jesus his performance on our behalf, his perfect life on our behalf. We release the, the need, the desire to, that somehow we're going to earn or prove that we're worthy of God's favor. We simply receive the free gift of Jesus into our lives. And from that point forward, because of what he did, we receive all of the blessings and the gifts of his favor in our lives. She received favor from the Lord. It was just a gift from God, not anything that she deserved. That being fully true, Esther also positioned herself for favor. What does that look like? Talk about that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's so good what you just said, because we always want the story of Esther, to the, the, the headline to be what God did, not what Esther did. That being said, Esther did do some things. And um, one of the things that really strikes me when I read the story of Esther is she had every reason to be bitter and angry and hurt for her past. You lose not one, but two of your parents. Mm -hmm. Your family is ripped out of their homeland. So you're in this foreign place, foreign culture, foreign everything. And that to me seems like a recipe for just saying, you know what? I'm mad at God. I'm mad at the world. Forget it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. And yet when you read the entire book of Esther, you see nothing like that. No mention of complaint, anger, bitterness. Now, I'm sure she had to work through some grieving, to be sure. But uh, you don't see the spirit that seems like it's it's captivated by anger and bitterness. And I think that was that was uh, so much of of why God was glad to pour even more favor into her life, rather than hang on to what she didn't have in the past. Mm. She focused on building her life from what she did have in the present. And I think that continued to open doors where she said, I'm not going to get stuck in this place of anger and bitterness and resentment. I'm just going to say, God, I'm, I am where I am. Would you use what you've given me now to take me forward? I'm, I'm ready for the journey. That's a big turn to not get stuck in the past and to leverage what you have for the future. I mean, you could write a book on that, Brian. <laughs> yeah, and I think that it, for any of us, it's easy to, to think about. I mean, I, I, I feel like I still get stuck in that trap of wanting to think about, oh, you know, it would have been nice to... It, it, we, there are always people, no matter how many privileges you have, there are always people who have had more. And I'll tell you, one of mine mm-hmm. is I see guys who are raised by pastors. And, and as much as we joke about being a pastor's kid, well, I see some of the folks I know that were raised by pastors, and I think... What a leg up in ministry. They got to yeah. watch what it means to be sure. a church leader and serve as a pastor. And and I know some guys who are pastor's kids, and they just like started way further ahead because they, they were raised in this environment of church leadership. And I think, well, wouldn't it be nice? And God, I would have liked to have you do that in my life, and that would have put me way forward. And where would I be now if that were be the, mm-hmm. would, would have been the case? And at the end of the day, I've heard the Lord need to say to me so many times, I'm embarrassed by how many times he said, mm-hmm. Brian. I have given you everything you need to go forward. Mm -hmm. You don't need to hang on to what you didn't get in the past, opportunities you didn't have, people you didn't know. Mm -hmm. I have given you everything right now for what I'm calling you to do in this time and into the future. And I just have to trust that. We're talking about living life in the dark and how we navigate life in the dark. And... God raised up Esther, gave her a lot of favor, but she didn't just rest on God opening doors for her. 
That's right. I mean, she really lived the kind of life that was that made her even more receptive to favor from God. And you know what strikes me? And I, I was looking at her story and just realizing no matter where you jump in in the book of Esther, Esther is always giving her best. She's always, mm. to use the New Testament term, serving wholeheartedly mm. in whatever she does. Sometimes when people get in this mentality of, oh, I'll wait for the big opportunity and then I'll give my best. And, you know, when I'm finally getting my, my big moment, then I'm going to give my 110. And that just seems like Esther's normal mode of operating. And because of that, favor continues to come. Mm-hmm. But what is so cool to me about Esther's story is when things really start to break for her and she starts to get recognition. And in these days, we talk about you know going viral or you blew up the internet or stuff like that. And that is essentially what's happening to Esther. But even then, she maintains this, this beautiful spirit of humility. Mm. And I think that's hard to do when you're, when you're kind of big time. I mean, in, in their day, it'd be like being on the cover of Vogue and you're getting a million hits on social media. But she, her, her cousin Esther had given her some advice, which is to not fully open up about her history and her, her people of origin and whatnot. And even as she's getting so big, she respects his advice. And, and in fact, when when she has the opportunity to go into the king's presence for the first time and she can wear whatever kind of style she wants and jewelry and all that, she says to the person in charge, you know what, why don't you, why don't we do what, whatever you think is best? And again, this spirit of, I don't have it all figured out. I'm going to continue to listen and be humble. And and God continues to pour favor out. We know that scripture is repeated multiple times in the Bible uh, that God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. Mm -hmm. And she stays in a humble place and God continues to give favor. Yeah. She continually doesn't think this is my moment. You know, this is for me. This is about me, but, you know, submits to other people, but also, is others minded. She's just others focused. Mm-hmm. It's not about what's going to happen for her. She's just thinking big picture all the time. Even you know the the crux, right? The whole the line of the book of Esther is who knows, but that you came into position for such a time as this. That's right. But she didn't see that as her moment, but as a moment that God would use her to serve other people. That's right. And I feel like for us I, I just ask the question practically when things, we, we want to stay humble all the time, but particularly when things are going well and it feels like we are not, maybe we're not as much in the dark. There are some rays of light coming and it's easy to start maybe think, oh, I've got this. I'm doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so I've really had to ask, okay, Brian, what does it mean to practically stay in, in a posture and position of humility? And and I just want to, I want that to be my default. So a couple of things I, I do. One is I continue every time a win comes, a victory comes, I am just going to and and just give credit to God, and not in a, uh, not in a just sort of a cliche, uh, but truly in my heart, say, Lord, as much as I may have worked for this, taken risks, whatever, I know all of this is a result of Your hand at work, and and that's just now a kind of a reflexive movement for me that helps me stay in a humble and and dependent place on Him. But then the other ultimate mark of favor in God's word is being submitted to God's word, mm. where it's not, what do I like? What are my preferences? What are my opinions? What are my proclivities? But rather, God, whatever, I'm going to continue to study your word. Whatever you say has the last word. And that's a posture of humility. Mm. Yeah. So this has been amazing. Wish we could continue. Uh, but you got to go to a party, right? <laughs> I got a Christmas party for our staff. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, just to wrap up, you know, this this uh, whole story of Esther is is being in the dark. You know, Esther was was orphaned, 
and was exiled from her homeland. And, you know, there's, there's somebody right now who's exiled in some way. And it's just, it's really, really dark. And just, just encourage them. Yeah, I would just say to that person, God sees you just in the same way that he saw Esther. And everything may feel dark, but just because it feels dark doesn't mean reality is dark. He sees you. He has favor available for you. So continue to stay humble. Continue to stay dependent. Know that God's favor upon you does not rest on you getting every decision right or Mm -hmm. saying every word just so. Your favor is dependent on what Jesus has accomplished on the cross for you. And therefore, no matter how dark things feel, you can have hope. God loves you, he sees you, and his favor is on its way to you. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.